Welcome to the African History Network show right here on 9, 10 a.m. The Superstation, the Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. It is Tuesday, July 6, 2021, and we are live. Hope everybody's doing well today. It's been a very, very busy day, and we uh, a lot of people got a uh, breaking news story uh, late today that was contradictory to what many people were hoping for. We found out um, uh, later on today, we found out this afternoon that U.S. sprinter Shikari Richardson uh, will not be in the Olympics. She will not be on the Olympic uh, women's relay team. Uh, Shikari Richardson left off Tokyo Olympics roster after track and field announcement. So this is very disappointing for, for many people. Now, you know, we talked about this on Friday's show. I was on Roland Martin Unfiltered on Friday, July 2nd. And we discussed this with uh, Shikari. Uh, I was already on today's show. I was already going to uh, deal with the issue regarding THC and the Olympics. And uh, why is THC? Why is uh, marijuana? Why is cannabis banned in the Olympics. I was already going to talk about that on the show today. And then the news broke this afternoon regarding Shikari uh, Richardson. So we're going to deal with all that today. And also we got the news today that uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones, uh, journalist Nicole Hannah-Jones, award-winning Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist Nicole Hannah-Jones, um, is not going to accept a tenured position with University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. Okay. She's not going to accept the tenured position and she's going to Howard university. She's going to HBCU. Okay. And along with her is going to be a Pulitzer prize winning journalist, Tana Hesse Coates. Also Tana Hesse Coates is uh, going to, uh, Howard University as well. He's going to be a professor at Howard also. And they're going to educate the next generation of African-American uh, journalists. All right. So uh, we're going to talk about that uh, on today's show. We know uh, this morning on CBS This Morning, um, she was interviewed. Uh, Gail, um, Gail King interviewed. Um, Gail King interviewed. Uh, Nicole Hannah Jones, and she revealed on the air that she was not going to uh, accept the position with uh, university, uh, university uh, UNC. Okay, and this was a shock for many people. And you know, we've been we've been talking about how she was denied tenureship. Uh, she's more than qualified to be a tenured professor, but also uh, we're dealing with. Uh, conservatives on the board there, the board of trustees, conservatives on the board of UNC who were blocking her from be becoming a tenured professor because uh, specifically because of uh, the 1619 project that she spearheaded. So this is backlash. This is part of that conservative backlash, uh, white, specifically white male conservative backlash against teaching history against dealing with a history that many of them don't want taught 
Okay. And um, this is, this is what happened. So she did a one up on them. She did, she did one better on them. And she really did a Della Reese on them. You know, uh, because I, I, I was, I was watching the interview today and, and I didn't, I got to bed like really late. I, you know, the show yesterday, yesterday's show ended up being two hours. So I was up late in the morning editing the video. We talked about, um, Frederick Douglass, uh, speech from, uh, July 5th, 1852, um, the meaning of uh, the 4th of July for the Negro and what to the slave is the 4th of July. And we, we dealt with that and we talked about the Declaration of Independence and why is the 4th of July? Why, why is the 4th of July Independence Day when they voted on the Declaration of Independence on July 2nd? But it wasn't adopted to July 4th in the debate over slavery with Thomas Jefferson accusing King George III of uh, uh, taking advantage uh, of, of enslaved Africans, things like this. And I said, if that's not the pot calling the kettle black, I don't know what it is. But go watch yesterday's show, okay, here on our Facebook fan page, the African History Network, and my YouTube channel, Michael M. Hotel. So I was up late editing video, and we, we had that video re, uh, rebroadcasting on our, on our channels. So um, we had that from yesterday. And... I was watching the video. I, I watched it. Uh, I didn't watch it live this morning on CBS this morning. I was uh, watching Morning Joe. But I saw the video of it, the interview. OK. And I said that um, uh, Nicole Hannah Jones did a, did a Della Reese. OK. <laughs> you know, I'm not talking about Della Reese touched by an angel. <laughs> I'm talking about Della Reese from Harlem Nights. Okay, I'm talking. About, I'm talking about that Della Reese because you, so you 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 remember the scene in Harlem Nights when they come out of the jail and, and she told me she told him to kiss her entire behind, kiss my entire ass, right? That's what Nicole Hannah Jones did to the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill. Okay, after they put her through all that, and then they finally voted to give her tenureship. It was nine four vote. You had students. Who African American students who were who were protesting? They wanted her to get tenureship. All this stuff. After all this, after the, after how these white people mistreated her, okay? She did a Della Reese on, right? Well, <laughs> so later on the day, right? I'm going through my daily routine and doing research. Guess whose birthday it is today, right? <laughs> it's Della Reese's birthday today. <laughs> so Nicole Hannah Jones did a Della Reese. On Della Reese's birthday. All right. <laughs> it's Della Reese's birthday. Uh, Della Reese was born July 6, 1931. She passed away November 19, 2017. The great Della Reese. Now, so, see, Della Reese did Touched by an Angel. But you remember Della Before Touched by an Angel, she, she was, she was uh, I am in charge of the girls. Am I in charge of the girls? I am in charge of the girls. She, she was in Harlem Nights, right, <laughs> with Red Fox. And Richard Pryor, <laughs> this is before she was playing an angel. Okay, <laughs> so I was I I saw that interview today with Nicole Hannah Jones. I said she did a Della Reese on them. Okay, now they probably don't know they they, they probably haven't seen Harlem Nights. You know the, the the white people on the board they probably haven't seen Harlem Nights, but they probably know they know who Della Reese is. So we'll talk about uh, these stories uh, on today's show. Now, on the African History Network show, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world because right knowledge corrects wrong behavior. What you do for yourself, what you do to yourself, 
And what you allow other people to do to you and get away with is based upon what you think about yourself. What you think about yourself is based upon what you have been taught about yourself. What you've been taught about yourself is based upon everything you read, heard, and seen about yourself. So when you control the radius of a man's or woman's thoughts, you control the compass of his or her actions because the mind can't do or teach what it doesn't know. Now, we deal with a number of different topics here on the African History Network show. We deal with current events and history and politics, education, economic empowerment, entrepreneurship, relationships, love, sex, health issues, and much, much more. Sign up for our email newsletter. Text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, the 22828. The sign up for our email newsletter. Text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, the 22828. The sign up for our email newsletter. Also visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, and uh, sign up for our email newsletter there as well. All right. Um, if you like this type of information, you can support the African History Network, dollar sign, the AHN show, through Cash App, dollar sign, the AHN show, through Cash App, or through PayPal, paypal.me, uh, forward slash the AHN show, paypal.me, forward slash the AHN show, uh, as well. Okay. My online course, so we have a new online course. Hey, uh, Shakita, I just emailed you a clip. Cue that up. It's seven seconds for me. Okay. We're about to go to that clip in just a second. Check your email. So, uh, my new online course just started up Sunday, July 4th, the 4th of July. Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. Ancient Kemet, one of the original names for Egypt. Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. We deal with thousands of years of history and deal with what led up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. Okay. And uh, this, now this new class meets on Sundays. 2 p.m. Uh, to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Sundays, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We do the class live. All the sessions uh, are recorded. You can go back and watch it over and over again. So if you go to our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, scroll down the page, you see the information for the online course. Click on register here. It takes you to the next page. Click on enroll. And uh, the class is regularly $130 on sale, $80. As soon as you register, you can start watching the content. As soon as you register, you can start watching the content. You can watch class number one from Sunday, July 4th. Next class is Sunday, July 11th. Also, uh, you will, will also be enrolled in the Saturday class that is wrapping up. And I think we have one or two more sessions in the Saturday class. But classes one through nine of the Saturday class is archived. You can go back and watch that. You can watch the June 12th interview I did with Dr. David M. Hotel, author of the book, The First Americans Were Africans, Documented Evidence. Uh, you can uh, watch the interview I did with uh, or the class where uh, Sister Nubia Wardford, who's an uh, African-American female archaeologist, spoke to our class as well. And um, we talked about the origins of ancient Kush and the African queens of antiquity. OK, so we're going to post a link here. You can register for the class right now. As soon as you register, you start watching the content. I do a PowerPoint presentation. We have book references, articles, video clips. You haven't seen anything like this before. And you'll be ready. You'll be uh, enrolled for uh, also our Sunday class. 
uh, that started Sunday, July 4th is a 10 week online course, 10 consecutive Sundays, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. OK, all the sessions are recorded. You can go back and watch it over and over again. And as a bonus, you'll also get a digital download of the uh, uh, my Juneteenth lecture that I did June 16th, 2021. It's a, almost two and a half hours dealing with the real history of Juneteenth. Let's go to this clip. OK, so this is this is what Nicole Hannah Jones did. She did a Della Reese. Let's go to this clip. My so that's what that's what <laughs> that's what Nicole Hannah Jones <laughs> that's what she did to the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill. She did that on CBS this morning in front of millions of people. It's not like she just tweeted it. She was interviewed by Gail King, and she did that to them. That's what she did to them, all right? <laughs> this has been today's moment in black girl magic. All right, <laughs> calling numbers. <laughs> calling numbers 313. So she humiliated us. She did this on CBS this morning. It's seen by millions of people. Not only that, they, they have a YouTube channel, right? So their videos get seen hundreds of thousands of times. That's what she did to them. <laughs> All right. Uh, calling numbers 313-778-7600. 313-778-7600 is a call-in number if you have a quick question or comment. You listen to the African History Network show right here on 9, 10 a.m. Superstation and Future Radio. I'm, Mike, I'm Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. Black on Purpose Television Network. Yes, Black on Purpose Television Network. All black, all positive, all the time. The largest black-owned streaming television network in the world. Bringing our people together worldwide. Controlling our messages, our story, our way. Black TV the way it should be. Black music, black history, and more. 30-plus channels, thousands of shows. Black on Purpose Television Network. Subscribe now. Hi, I'm Joel Wilson, President and CEO of JCW Computer Consulting LLC, a technology implementation firm with over 20 years of satisfying customers. We offer a full spectrum of industry top tier branded services. We are an authorized partner or reseller for Lenovo, Zoom, T-Mobile, Microsoft 365 and Surface Tablet, Google Workspace, Acer, Asus, Samsung, PCmatic security software, and many more. Our online store features laptops, Chromebooks, computers, printers, accessories, and software. Businesses, take advantage of our free one-hour Zoom tech consultation and know we offer top nationwide high-speed internet service providers, voice over IP, and cellular phone services. Home users, don't miss our current in-stock Chromebook inventory. Please visit us at jcwcc.com or call 215-879-6701. 910, the Superstation, Detroit's only African-American talk radio. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, the Superstation, the Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael Lem Hotep. It is Tuesday, July 6th, 2021. And we are live. 
Call the numbers 313-778-7600. 313-778-7600 is the calling number if you have a question or comment. Okay, so right before the break, we were talking about um uh right before the break, we were talking about uh Shikari Richardson, okay? Shikari Richardson. And uh the news came out today that uh, she's not going to be in the Olympics. She's not going to be on the Olympic relay team. Okay. Uh, I want to go to this clip here. So what we're going to do, we're going to, uh, we're going to go to this clip from NBC nightly news. Then we'll talk about, um, there's an article from NBC news and the, and uh, today show that deals with the announcement that came out today. I was already planning to talk about why marijuana, why cannabis is, uh, prohibited in the Olympics. Okay. That I was already scheduled to talk about that. Then this news broke today. So we're going to deal with that as well. Cause there's a whole lot of misinformation floating around and the information is right on the, uh, us anti-doping agency's website. Yeah. Uh, and we talked about this some on Friday show as well. Uh, and, 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 you know, I, I'm amazed how, and so if you, if you watch this show, right, you see the research that we do, right. Um, if you look at Joanne Reed's show, The Readout, I like Joanne Reed. Some of this stuff she's been saying lately is crazy, but I, I like Joy. Joy has about 60 to 70 people that work on her show. Producers, associate producers, people behind the camera, people uh, all over the place, right? And I'm listening. I saw the interview that she did yesterday with, I think it was Bomani Jones. And it was just some erroneous things that she was saying that was just not true about this situation with uh, Shikari Richardson trying to compare it to Michael Phelps and all this. First of all, she called him Brian Phelps instead of Michael Phelps. Then she said Michael Phelps tested positive for marijuana. And Michael Phelps never tested positive, positive for marijuana. The picture of him smoking marijuana from a bong, that was six months, uh, about six months after the 2008 Olympics. He was suspended for three months. Shikari was suspended for one month. And then I saw Tiffany Cross this past uh, Saturday on the cross connection with more inf- misinformation. And, you know, I, I did a, uh, let me see if we could pull up this tweet here. Uh, I, I did a tweet. I'm still waiting on a response from, um, from Tiff. I like Tiffany cross, but you know, some of sometimes I think she tries to be too woke. Um, and I've said before, a lot of times people confuse being woke with sleepwalking, but, Anyway, uh, I did this tweet here. Let's see if we can find it. And this deals with, um, what date was that? It had to be July 3rd. Um, this deals with what's on the anti-doping agency's uh, website. We're going to go to clip one, Shakita. We're going to go to clip one here in just a second. I just want to show this. Um, this tweet here, this one right here, uh, July 3rd, Saturday, I think it was Saturday, July 3rd. Let me flip over to my Twitter page. So this is what I tweeted. I was watching the show and she was talking about uh, Tiffany Cross. She was talking about uh, Shikari Richardson. And as I said before, you know, I, 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 I was hoping that in the appeals process, Shikari would get a break and racing them 100 meters. Uh, I was hoping she'd be on the relay team, but you have to understand if they put her on the relay team, 
then well, well, number one, in, the, in reading the article from the New York Times today, the decision was already made who was going to be on the relay team before her positive test results came back for marijuana. So if they put her on a relay team, that means they're going to knock somebody else out who played by the rules and didn't have a positive drug test to put her on the team. So that's not going to happen. But here, here's what I said. At Tiffany Cross, um, I said, I'm watching your show, the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency uh, at U.S. Anti-Doping uh, on their website says, quote, cannabis can be performance enhancing for some athletes and sports disciplines, end quote. It's right on their website under why are uh, under uh, they have frequently frequently asked questions dealing with marijuana It's right on their website. The whole policy is, is explained. I said, all things considered, however, I think Shakari hashtag Shakari Richardson should get a break. But if you look at this here and we're going to talk some more about this. If you look at this, now this is right from their website. Now, see, what I understand is and it's not specifically for Joy and Tiffany is the other people in the media. They got all these people running around working for them. I don't have none of that. It's just myself and Shakita and Shakita runs the boards and answers the phones. I'm the one that does the research. So if we look at this here, why, why are cannabidiol, uh, 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 can, uh, uh, cannabinoids on the WADA prohibited list, World Anti-Doping Agency, and then the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency follows the protocol of the World Anti-Doping Agency. So, number one, there was a 2011 World Anti-Doping Agency published uh, a study they, uh, they published a paper in sports medicine discussing the reasons marijuana and, canna and, and, and cannabinoids meet the criteria to be banned, to be on the pro prohibited list. There are different reasons. Below are excerpts from this publication that address the three criteria. And can I blow this up? Well, I can blow it up on their website. Let me see. This is a, um, let me see. Y'all can't see this. So what I'll do, um, it's on their website. Let me flip over to the website right here on their website. Um, usada.org, usada.org, us anti-doping agency. Go right here to athletes, drop down menu, substances, marijuana, FAQ, frequently asked questions. All this stuff is easily accessible. So we go down here. Answers to common questions regarding marijuana and cannabinoids. What are cannabinoids? What is marijuana? Go down here. Why are cannabinoids on the WAD prohibited list? All this stuff is right here. Let's blow this up. In 2011, WADA published a paper in sports medicine discussing the reasons marijuana and, and, and cannabinoids meet the criteria, okay, from being prohibited. And, it, and if we back up, it says, for something to be added to the WADA prohibited list, the World Anti-Doping Agency, for something to be added to the WADA prohibited list, it must meet two 
of the three inclusion criteria. Okay. It must meet two of the three inclusion criteria. Let's blow this up so everybody can see it. People. Okay. Let's blow this up for people who can't read, can read, can see it. A, it poses a health risk to athletes. B, it has the potential to enhance performance. And C, it violates the spirit of sport. So it has to meet two of these three criteria. In the 2011 World Anti-Doping Agency published, uh, in 2011, the World Anti-Doping Agency published a paper in sports medicine discussing the reasons marijuana and cannabinoids meet the criteria. Remember, it has to meet two of the three criteria. Below are excerpts from this publication that address the three criteria. Now, you can click right here on this link, published paper, and read all of it yourself. All this stuff is easy. All this stuff is there. It's easily available. Okay. One, athletes who smoke cannabis or spice in competition, 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 potentially endanger themselves and others because of increased risk taking, slower reaction times and poor execution, uh, poor executive function or, or decision making. So they talk about the risk to the athlete and other athletes potentially around them. They talk about the risk Two, based on current animal and human studies, as well as on interviews with athletes and information from the field. Cannabis. This is right on their website. OK, all the athletes know this. They all they know this all up front. Cannabis can be performance enhancing for some athletes and some disciplines. And when you when you read this, there was an article from 11 Alive uh, out of uh, Georgia that did uh, a, a good piece on this. But when you read this, one of the things they talk about is how and also in the article from uh, NBC News that we'll go to next after we go to this clip. They talk about how uh, cannabis and THC, OK, uh, 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 THC and cannabis, the active ingredient can increase oxygenation. Increased oxygenation, which means increase, increases the flow of blood throughout the body, especially to the brain, which increases the amount of oxygen going to the brain. OK, so and then also uh, in the piece, uh, I'll show you this in just a minute. The piece from 11 Alive, they talk about how uh, cannabis can help in recovery from um, workouts and recovery from injuries, things like this. So it's a number of different things here. Why it's on. The list. So people say, oh, it's legal in the organs, legal in the states, legal. That's like, they don't have nothing to do with this. Like I said, Friday, it's just like when you were a child and your parent, you want to tell your parents, oh, my friends could stay out late. My friends could do this. My friends could do, could do that. And your parents say, what, what, they don't have nothing to do with the laws in this house. In this house, this is what the rules are. In this house, this is what the laws are. You, you want to do what your friends do, go live with your friends. That don't have nothing to do with in this house. OK, so when people start talking about what they're doing in Oregon and it's legal there and it's legal in this state, all this, the, the, the World Anti-Doping Association and the U.S. Uh, Anti-Doping Association is like your parents. They're like, what the hell does it got to do with us? They don't have nothing to do with this right here. This is what the rules are here. It's all out in the open. The rules are all there. OK. 
I, I wanted Shikari to uh, I, in in the appeals process. There's there's an appeals process. I hope she appealed it in in the appeals process. They let her run in the 100 meter because it, it was obvious she blew all the, everybody away, all the competition away in the 100 meter. It was obvious, but you know, bottom line is you break the rules. This is these are the consequences. All right. And now I, I think they're, like I said, on Roland Martin's show, I think they're extenuating circumstances here. Uh, she was dealing with the death of a mother and she used marijuana to try to cope with that. But, you know, um, you have other athletes that qualified and followed the rules. So hopefully, uh, she, you know, she went, she entered into a counseling program. That's why she ended up doing one month suspension instead of three months. She could have done three months suspension. But anyway, let's uh, let's get through this here. So um, cannabis can be performance enhancing for some athletes and sports disciplines. Three, you list uh, uh, use of illicit drugs that are harmful to health and that may have performance enhancing properties not consistent with the athlete as a role model for young people around the world. All right. Now, in 2019, the World Anti-Doping Agency exempted cannabidiol, CBD, from this category. However, all other cannabinoids, whether natural or synthetic, are prohibited in competition. Even though CBD is permitted at all times, this article explains the legal and anti-doping issues that continue to make these products risky for athletes. Now. Um. When you research this with marijuana, you can use you, the pro, prohibition of marijuana is you cannot use it after 1159 p.m. on the day prior to the competition. That's a, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. That's the stipulation on marijuana. You cannot use it after 1159 p.m. on the day prior to the competition. All right. Uh, I want to go to clip number one here. We'll post this link here. All this information is out there. This is why I'm, 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 I'm listening to people on MSNBC. I'm like, all these white people you got running around working for you and you don't know this? And it, it, I'm, I'm watching this stuff this weekend and I'm like, wait a second, hold on. They got this article right here on, on NBC's website that deals with this information. Um... Advocates say THC does not enhance sports performance. So why is it banned? It goes through, it explains it, has information about the anti-doping agency, World Health, a uh, uh, World Anti-Doping Agency. I'm like, I don't work for NBC or MSNBC. How did I know this? And I'm looking at people on on MSNBC that are talking like this. This article don't exist. So okay, all right. Let's go. To, let's go to uh, clip one. Uh, Shikita Shikari Richardson will not compete at Tokyo Olympics. woman in America, Shakari Richardson, will not be competing in any event at the Tokyo Olympics. Tonight, USA Track and Field announcing she will not run the 4x100 relay, her last chance to make the team. Richardson earned a ticket to Tokyo with that dramatic victory in the women's 100 meter at the U.S. Olympic trials. I just want the world to know that I'm that girl. But following that jubilation, the 21-year-old tested positive for marijuana, a banned substance. I know what I'm supposed to do. Um, I'm, not, I'm, I'm allowed not to be 
Richardson was suspended for a month and disqualified from running the 100 meter at the Olympics. Her suspension ends before the relay. More than half a million people signed an online petition to let Shakari run. Tonight, USA Track and Field saying they support reevaluating the rules surrounding marijuana use. But, quote, while our heartfelt understanding lies with Shakari, we must also maintain fairness for all of the athletes. As Tokyo puts the final touches on the Olympics, this news no doubt will disappoint fans. But Richardson has vowed to come back stronger, promising to be a world champion next year. Okay. All right. Thanks, Yakita. So, I know she'll be back. She'll be back. She, I think she learned from this. And this also deals with uh, mental health and having the proper knowledge of how to deal with traumatic experiences without resorting to using substances to deal with tragedies in life and things like this. And I'm not, I'm not blaming her for it. Um, using marijuana. She knew the rules. She already, she said she knew better. She did it anyway. She's, she's dealing with the death of her mother. It's something traumatic. She's 21 years old, already dealing with a, dealing with a lot of pressure. So, but, you know, we have to um, see the other part of this. And, and, and as I've said before, I've never used marijuana. I don't use any drugs. I never use marijuana. Don't use edibles, none of that stuff. Cause I understand. See, that's how they get you also. Because I used to, um, I, I used to uh, work for a job placement agency, and we had a lot of people, African, like ninety-five percent of our clientele were African Americans. We had a lot of people who um, couldn't get placed in the jobs because they couldn't pass the drug test. They couldn't pass the drug test. They had the qualifications to do the job, but they couldn't pass the drug test. So this is one of the ways that they get you also. And, and we have to be really, uh, first of all, marijuana usage has been marketed to African-Americans for over the past 30 years through negative corporate controlled hip hop. See, we have we have to understand this. OK, just as the just as the British flooded uh, Hong Kong with opium. OK, just as. Uh, Europeans flooded Native Americans with alcohol. We have to look at how marijuana has been used to attack us. And and I understand Harry J. Anslinger, 1937, first chairman of the National Narcotics Commission. And Harry J. Anslinger testified in front of Congress that white women craved black men sexually when white women were high on marijuana. And he had a he had a war on drugs. Harry J. Anslinger is the same Harry J. Anslinger, the same Harry J. Anslinger who attacked and pursued Billie Holiday. And, and he is really responsible for killing Billie Holiday because Billie Holiday was in the um, uh, recovering, uh, going through um, detox from heroin. And she was taking, I think it was methadone or something like that. And he took her off methadone. He ordered to have her taken off methadone. He's a white supremacist, Harry J. Ansling. You got to research him. We've talked about him before here and why marijuana was made legal because why marijuana was made illegal, because as long as white people were using it, it was called cannabis or hemp. As long as white people were using it, it was not a problem. But when Mexicans started using it and the recreational usage of marijuana was really introduced into this country by by Mexicans, 
Okay. Uh, early 1900s. And it was called cannabis or hemp. It wasn't called marijuana, but when you start having these non, non white people using it, then they changed the name to marijuana, which is a Spanish term. And all of the antipathy and hatred that a lot of people in this country have for Mexicans got associated with the term marijuana. They're reframing how people think about it. And then Harry J. Anslinger launches this war against marijuana. He lies in this testimony to uh, uh, Congress. Okay. And they institute the marijuana prohibition tax in 1937, which basically makes it illegal except for medicinal purposes. This is why, see, when people say, oh, sometimes when I hear radio shows or discussions and they talk about why, uh, whether or not marijuana should be legal or not, my argument is you're not asking the right question. The first question you should ask is why was it made illegal when it was legal for such a long time? As long as white people were using the drugs, it was all right. It's just like cocaine. Cocaine used to be legal in this country. As long as white people were using cocaine, there's not a problem. When African-Americans started using cocaine, then you get then you get articles like February 8th, 1914 from um, uh, the New York Times. Um, the, the article dealing with. Um, what is it? Um, Negro cocaine fiends, Negro cocaine fiends are a new southern menace. OK, uh, let me pull up this article from The New York Times. It's over 100 years old. See, when you start studying, see, I, I was doing a lecture in 2016 dealing with the history of the war on drugs. And it, it was specifically dealing with Richard Nixon's war on drugs that he declared June 17, 1971. OK, so when I hear people talk about the war on drugs and the crime bill, I, I notice you don't talk about Richard Nixon, who's a Republican. And that's where the war on drugs started in the modern day. It started with Nixon. U.S. prison population quadruples from 1970 to 1993 it goes from about 300,000 to 1.3 million if you go to um bjs.gov bureau of justice statistics the, the information is there okay so when uh let me see let me try to pull this one up here this is a famous article from the new york times february 8th 1914 this is the year before the movie the birth of a nation came out Okay, Birth of a Nation debuted February 8, 1915. This article right here, let me flip over to it. This is why we have to understand history. I'm all for marijuana being legal, but just like alcohol is legal, I don't use either one of them. It should be legal, but we got to be smarter than to use that because they, they target our communities with it. To trap us, just like there's a if there's a if we talk about a liquor store in every corner, then what do you think the marijuana dispensaries in our communities are doing? If we talk about a fast food restaurant on every corner, and across the street from that is a liquor store, and then now you got a a a, a, a marijuana dispensary down the street, you have to understand how how you're targeted. Negro cocaine fiends are a new southern menace. Murder and insanity increasing among lower class blacks because they have taken to sniffing since deprived of whiskey by prohibition. Now this is, this is a big article. This is a famous article from the, from the newspaper of record, the New York times 
February 8th, 1914. If you don't understand history, you're going to be totally oblivious to this. If you don't understand history, you're going to be totally oblivious to this. Read, um, research this. And there have been other articles like the one from The Nation that was written after uh, that was written a few years ago that still talks about this article as well. OK. And, and see, and, and one of the things they were talking about in this article and at the time in 1914. And, and this is. The year before the um, this is the year before the uh, Great Migration starts in 1915, right about 1915. This is at the beginning of World War One, 1914. World War One, 1914, 1918. This is five years before the Red Summer, 1919, when you had over 25 major race rides in this country, like the, like the Elaine, Arkansas. Uh, race ride uh, uh, in the lane Arkansas. We had over 200, about 200 African-Americans killed and the one in Chicago. Okay. One of the things that they're asking in this article and at this time, they're asking, do police officers now need to carry uh, a 45 caliber handgun because a 38 is not powerful enough to kill a Negro high on cocaine, a Negro male high on cocaine. Because they're, one of the things they were talking about is, are these black men going to start raping white women when they're high on cocaine and they have superhuman strength? What do we do? How do we deal with them? And then the next year, exactly one year to the date, February 8th, 1915, a movie comes out called The Birth of a Nation that tells how you deal with them. The Birth of a Nation shows the rise of the Ku Klux Klan and it shows the Ku Klux Klan as being heroes because they, uh, they it shows the Klan rising up to put down a rebellion of former Union Negro soldiers because it, it because the, the movie deals with slavery the Civil War and Reconstruction and it, it shows them rise. It shows the Klan rising up to put down this rebellion of uh, 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 Union Negro soldiers after the Civil War is over with. But the movie also calls race race riots in the streets, and it depicted it showed black men trying to rape white women in the movie, The Birth of a Nation. Debut February 8th, 1915. For the first 30 days that the movie was out, it was called The Klansman. Well, why was the movie called The Klansman? Well, because it was based upon a novel by a man named Reverend Thomas Dixon. And the name of the novel was called The Klansman. And 1915 was the 50th anniversary of the founding of the Ku Klux Klan, which was founded December 24th, 1865 in Pulaski, Tennessee. About a week or so after the 13th Amendment. To the U.S. Constitution was ratified and adopted, adopted December 18th, ratified December 6th. So all this history is connected. And it's connected to what's going on right now. This is the sixth anniversary of the domestic terrorists who had an insurrection January 6th at the U.S. Capitol trying to overthrow the government because they didn't like the results of the last election. Okay, so let's go back to Shikari. Uh, let's. I want to look at the article here from uh, 
Okay, so we showed that one from New York Times. Let's look at this one here from uh, the Today Show, the, the Today Show very quickly. And if you, uh, also, if you like this type of information, you support the African History Network, dollar sign, the AHN show through Cash App, dollar sign, the AHN show through Cash App. Also through PayPal, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show. Okay, you're not going to find this type of information many other places. So let's look at this from the Today Show. We know Friday, July 2nd, uh, Shikari was interviewed on the Today Show talking about a positive test results. Shikari Richardson left off Tokyo Olympics roster after track and field announcement. Richardson, 21, is serving a month-long suspension after she tested positive for THC, the chemical found in marijuana. Could have been three months because that's what uh, that's what Michael Phelps got. Michael Phelps got a three-month suspension. Uh, track star Shakari Richardson will miss the Tokyo Olympics after U.S. track and field said Tuesday she would not be a member of the women's four uh, four by one hundred meter relay team. In a statement, the organization said it is incredibly sympathetic towards Shakari Richardson's extenuating circumstances and strongly applaud her accountability and will offer her our and will offer her our continued support both on and off the track. Now, Richardson, 21, was suspended from uh, the U.S. Olympic team on June 28th after she tested positive, positive for THC, a chemical found in marijuana. As part of the agreement, Richardson will serve one month, uh, a one-month suspension, which means she will miss running the 100-meter race at the Olympics where she was a fan freight favorite to win the gold medal on Friday, Shakari Richardson's uh, suspension was publicly announced. U S track uh, and field in a statement uh, said in a statement that the track stars quote situation is incredibly unfortunate and devastating for everyone involved. Now the decision prompted outrage on social media from people who wondered why the sprinter was being suspended for using marijuana, a drug typically known for its relaxation uh, effects and, and which does not cause someone to run faster. Apparently they didn't read the information on the U.S. anti-doping agency's website because all the information is there. So apparently they didn't read it. However, the World Anti-Doping Association has said that marijuana can be a performance enhancer. For some, and in, in the in the uh, U.S. Anti-Doping Agency follows the lead of the World Anti-Doping Agency, but it says for some athletes it can be a performance enhancer. But the other thing is, it can also be a hazard for some athletes as well. Now, in a statement on Tuesday, U.S. Track and Field, as we all went through, when I took you to the website, we went through one, two, three, and laid down all that stuff out. In a statement on Tuesday, July six. U.S. track and field officials added that while the organization, quote, agrees that the merit of the World Anti-Doping Agency rules to THC should be reevaluated, it would be detrimental to the integrity of uh, the U.S. Olympic team trials for track and field uh, if uh, U.S. anti uh, if U.S. ATF uh, amended its policies following competition only weeks before the Olympic Games. Quote, all USATF athletes are equally aware of and must adhere to the current anti-doping code. This is what I said. All, they're, all the athletes know the rules. 
and our credibility as the national governing body would be lost if rules were only enforced under certain certain circumstances. Uh, so while our heartfelt understanding lies with Shikari, we must also maintain fairness for all of the athletes who attempted to realize their dreams by securing a place on the U.S. Olympic track and field team, end quote. Now, um, OK, so uh, June 19th at the women's U.S. Olympic track and field trials in Oregon. Uh, Richardson ran the 100 meter in just 10.86 seconds. She failed a drug test that was administered after the race. Before Tuesday's announcement, it was clear Richardson would not be uh, able to compete in her individual event. However, some fans held out hope she could be one of the discretionary runners picked to be part of a relay team as determined by the USATF uh, head relay coach in consultation with an advisory committee. Okay, but they only have a certain number of spots, so they're not going to knock somebody else out who followed the rules to let her on to let her on the team. Richardson uh, told the Today Show on Friday that she used marijuana, uh, used marijuana in Oregon, where it is legal. And after being told uh, her biological mother had died, she added that she was focused on herself and not her Olympic fate. Uh, she told Savannah Guthrie in the interview, she said, right now, I'm just praying uh, all of my I'm just putting all of my time and energy into dealing with what I need to do, which is heal myself. Uh, so if I'm allowed to receive that blessing of um, uh, running uh, in the relay race, uh, then I'm grateful. OK. All right. So read this article here. Uh, from the Today Show, today.com. Shikari Richardson left off Tokyo Olympics roster after track and field announcement. And, you know, this is this is a, a, a teachable moment for our youth as well. This is a teachable moment for our youth also. All right. Those watching on our Facebook fan page, the African History Network, the African History Network, and our YouTube channel, Michael M. Hotep, I-M-H-O-T-E-P. Keep watching. We're going to keep broadcasting for a few more minutes here. We're going to deal with uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones, we'll talk about that for a little bit, and we'll probably have to deal with that some more on uh, tomorrow's show. Uh, remember, right now, it's correct wrong behavior. It's not over till we win. We'll kind of forever, and we'll talk to you tomorrow night. Peace. All right, stand by, everybody. Stand by. Okay, I want to go to uh, – we're going to continue this discussion here. All right. Hey, if you'd like this type of information, you can support the African History Network, dollar sign, the AHN show through Cash App, dollar sign, the AHN show through Cash App. Also through PayPal, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show, or at our website, uh, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Uh, th uh, this is the official uh African History Network Cash App account, dollar sign, the AHN show, S-H-O-W. And it, it'll say Michael and show my picture there. These other ones are fake um, African History Network accounts that somebody set up and already reported them to Cash App. All right. And uh, be sure to register for the 10-week online course that I teach on Sundays. We have a new class that just started up on Sunday, July 4th. Uh, it's a 10-week online course that I teach ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade where they didn't teach you in school. We deal with thousands of years of history and what led up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. So if you go to our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, scroll down the page, you'll see information about the 
uh, radio show. You can click on the link, read articles that I've written. Uh, 10-week online course right here. Click on register here. It takes you to the next page. And uh, click on enroll. Okay, as soon as you register, you can start watching the content. So the class is on sale, $80, regularly $130. All We do the class live. So you can join us in class live. We have a live text chat. You can ask questions. You can see me. I can't see you. You can be in your pajamas. You can have a bonnet on for all I mean, I can't see you. So, okay, you're in your home. You're in your pajamas. That's fine. Um, and then all the sessions are recorded. So you can go back and watch it over and over again. Even after the course is over with, you still have access to the uh, course content. You can go back and watch them next year. Okay. All right. I want to go to, uh, I'm looking at the articles I have here. I want to make sure that I laid all this information out. I want to make sure I go through this step, step by step to clear up a whole lot of misinformation that's been floating around. Um, so let's go to this. So we talked about the one from to the day show. That was number one. Let's go to um, and let me look at the one quickly here from New York Times. Just a second here. Um, let me pull this one up from the New York Times. They had a uh, it was something key in the article from the New York Times dealing with uh, Shakari Richardson that I wanted to uh, key in on. Then I, then I want to look at this piece that came out this weekend from NBC News dealing with um, the debate over why THC is um, is banned, is prohibited. And you have different you have uh, substances that are prohibited for different reasons. It's not all because it can be performance enhancing. It could also be because it can also be because something is deemed as um, uh, har potentially harmful to athletes, either them or athletes around them as well. Okay. Let's look at this one here from uh, New York Times. Uh, Shakari Richardson will miss Olympics after not being chosen uh, for relays. Okay, there was a specific part of this that I wanted to uh, zoom in on. It's right here. It's like paragraph five or six. Uh, Richardson, 21, the fastest uh, American woman was suspended for 30 days for the drug violation and her victory in the 100 meters at the trials was invalidated uh, June 19th. To make the U.S. team in a track and field event, an athlete must finish in the top three in the trials, uh, in the trials meet and have met the Olympic standard. However, track officials are able to pick at least two athletes for the relay, regardless of their performance at the trials. 
because the Olympic relay is scheduled to take place after Richardson's suspension suspension ends, she could have been named to the team. But, but the coaches had already selected the members of the relay squad and had informed those runners of their placements before Shakari Richardson's positive test became public. So if they already told the people, already told the women that you're going to be on the relay team, they're not going to then kick them, take one of their spots to give it to Shakari who tested positive for marijuana and the other ones played by the rules. That's not going to happen. But the coaches, this is why you have to read. You're not going to see this in memes floating around on social media. But the coaches had already selected the members of the relay squad and had informed those runners of their placements before Shakari Richardson's positive test became public. Now, after Richardson's disqualification, the coaches chose, after Richardson's disqualification, the, the coaches chose the next, the next six finishers in the 100-meter race and decided it would be unfair to take a slot away from one of those runners and give it to Richardson simply because that would be the only way to get her on the team. This is, this is a hard lesson to learn. You know, and that decision, I, I'm not, I understand that she was dealing with something that she couldn't handle, the death of her biological mother. I understand that. But that decision right there, and Roland talked about this on the show today. He said it, it, that decision cost her, I, 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 I was thinking $10 million. He said five to $10 million. Yeah, that cost her upwards to about $10 million in endorsement deals. Cause she was about to be on Wheaties. She's about to be in commercials. She, all that stuff. Okay. Now it's still going to happen for her. She, she still is keeping her endorsement deal with Nike. She's going to be an Olympian in four years. Okay. Um, but dude, that decision right there, so th this needs to be uh, a teachable moment. I'm serious. And people, you know, I talk to people, they they think it's strange. I'm 50 years old, never used marijuana. Uh, uh, let me explain something to you. Uh, usually when I see stuff that goes wrong, and use, and you, if you talk to police officers, and I know a lot of police officers, and I know yeah, I used to do some work with the prosecutor's office here um, dealing with uh, training. We, we had a I was working for a company. We had a construction trades program and we were um, dealing with uh, disadvantaged uh, segments of the population. Uh, we, we had some from the Veterans Affairs office in our program. We had some ex-offenders. We had uh, some people from uh, Michigan Rehabilitation Services, things like this. Then we're trying to work with the prosecutor's office. We're trying to um, work on changing the culture of violence and having getting some marketable skills uh, to people who, who, who may have been in prison or trying to help people so they don't go to prison, etc. And usually when you have um, shootings and fights and stabbings, all things like that. 
not 100% of the time, but about 70, 75% of the time, people are either under the influence of alcohol or under the influence of drugs. And I'm telling you, you we really have to understand what's happened to our community with marijuana uses being marketed to us and, and, and African-Americans being targeted with marijuana usage in negative corporate control hip hop for over the last 30 years. Because see, you can take out a commercial on TV or a billboard promoting marijuana usage, but you can put it in the music and call the album The Chronic. And Chronic is not just marijuana, it's a more potent form of marijuana. So we really have to understand strategy and warfare and, and how we're being targeted. That's why I don't mess with none of that stuff. So also the organization's selection criteria do not include a provision for that sort of substitution. Okay, so that's what I wanted to focus on, that information right there. Okay, read this article here from New York Times. Shikari Richardson, Shikari Richardson will miss Olympics after not being chosen for relays. Okay. Now, now once again, marijuana should be legal. Why? It should be decriminalized. Why? Because it never should have been made illegal in the first place. It was, made, it was made illegal because of white supremacy and racism. As long as white people were using it, it wasn't a problem. But we got to be smart enough to know don't use it. Just like prohibition for alcohol didn't work. Alcohol should be legal. But we got to be smart enough to know how it's it how it's being used against us because see Mer the, the prohibition really gave rise to the al capones and the frank nitties and the italian mafia and the jewish mafia as well because here in detroit um 80 of the of the illegal alcohol that came into the u.s came from canada into detroit and that was controlled by a gang called the purple gang it, it was it was the jewish mafia the purple gang in in the song jailhouse rock by Elvis Presley. He says the whole rhythm section was the purple gang. He's talking about them being in jail. Okay. So they control, they control the, the flow of illegal alcohol coming from Canada into Detroit. That was the purple gang. And in the uh, Ku Klux Klan helped to give rise to the uh, Italian mafia and the Jewish mafia, because the Ku Klux Klan, which was made up of uh, white Anglo-Saxon male Protestants, they were advocating for prohibition because a lot of the um, alcohol, it was, you see, they were, see, the white Anglo-Saxon Protestants, Anglo-Saxons basically coming from England, because England is named after the Anglos. The Anglos and the Saxons were two groups of Germanic people who go into England, the Anglos, the Saxons, the Jutes, they go into England, they, they conquered the Irish. Um, Ireland becomes a, um, Ireland becomes a colony of England in the 12th century AD. And the Anglos and the Saxons are going to come here. Well, they were against a lot of these other Europeans, the English, the Greeks, the Germans, things like this. And 
Um, so a lot of the illegal alcohol, et cetera, it was a lot of these other European uh, groups that were involved in making and selling a lot of this illegal alcohol, like Germans and th things like this. So the white Anglo-Saxons, the Ku Klux Klan, they were against that and they advocated for uh, prohibition. But then prohibition is going to give rise to the Italian mafia. It's going to empower the Italian mafia, the bootleggers and the Al Capones and the Frank Nitties and things like this. Okay, there was a, uh, a documentary on the History Channel. I think it was the History Channel dealing with how the Ku Klux Klan inadvertently gave rise to the Italian mafia. And it was by the Klan advocating for uh, prohibition of alcohol. Okay, now. Okay, so we got that. We dealt with that one. Um, I want to go to this other one here. This is from NBC News. This is an article I saw this weekend. And I was already going to talk about this on the show today before this story broke. This deals with um, THC, THC being banned, okay? This is a piece from uh, NBC News. This one here is advocates say THC does not enhance sports performance. So why is it banned? Advocates say THC does not enhance sports performance. So why is it banned? Um, Sprinter Shakari Richardson's positive marijuana test runs afoul of at least two regulations being against the spirit of sport and posing a potential health risk. Because when she tested positive, she was not the the official reason was not that she um, was using a performance enhancing drug. What was said was that it it violated the anti doping uh, policy. Because in the in the next article that I'm going to show you. They discussed that there. This is from 11 Alive out of Georgia. They did a really good article dealing with studies show marijuana is not used as a performance enhancing drug. But then they deal with other reasons why marijuana is prohibited. OK, and. Uh, Anti-doping rule violation, that's what it was. Um, Let me let me pull this one up here. I'll show you this quickly, and then we'll come back to this one. Let's go to this here. Where is that one? Eleven alive. Okay. So you see why I got to bed late because I'm I'm doing research, pulling together all this content for today's show. And this is. Some of the information, hold on, why is this? 
this this article here this is the next one I'm going to go to I just want to show you something quickly in this one this is from 11 alive uh, out of Georgia study shows marijuana is not used as a performance enhancing drug but that's just only one reason why a drug can be banned but if we go to page three of this article uh, what we found so they, so they cite their sources National Library of Medicine Clinical Journal of Sports Medicine World Anti-Doping Agency, U.S. Anti-Doping Agency. Uh, what we found, go to the second paragraph under what we found. The drug is banned, referring to marijuana, is banned on race days, but not on days outside of competition. The World Anti-Doping Agency reporting in a 2011 uh, sports medicine paper a sports medicine paper that marijuana meets the criteria for a prohibited substance because it can increase risk-taking slower reaction times. It can increase risk-taking and slower reaction times or slower reaction times and result in poor executive function or decision-making. So we go back to the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency's uh, website, and I showed you three reasons why uh, the three reasons and two of the reasons had two of the three reasons had to be met for uh, a substance to be prohibited. The paper further states, based on current animal and human studies, cannabis can be performance enhancing for some athletes and some disciplines. And finally, use of illicit drugs that are harmful to health and, and that may have performance enhancing properties is not consistent with the athlete as a role model for young people around the world. Um, so they talk about, and, and one of the things, let me see, back up here first paragraph under what we found um, to start let, so they so, see they did something smart they said let's look at what the policy is as opposed to hallucinating what you think the policy is they said let's go look and actually see what the policy is T to start let's look at why the US anti-doping agency and the World Anti-Doping Agency have THC listed on, on the, their prohibited list. As opposed to you saying, oh, it don't do this, it don't do this. Let's go look and see why it's there. The USADA is bound by the World Anti-Doping uh, Agency protocols, regardless if marijuana is legal in many states. They don't have Marijuana being legal in, in Oregon and all those, they don't have nothing to do with WADA and the USADA. The other important thing to note is the USADA report on Shakari Richardson's test results never says her suspension was a result of using a performance enhancer. It never says her suspension was of the actual report. Not, not what's reported on MSNBC, but the actual report. The other important thing to note the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency report on Shikari Richardson's test results 
never say her suspension was a result of using a performance enhancer. It states it was for, quote, an anti-doping rule violation, end quote, because you can, a substance can be listed, can be prohibited, even if it doesn't, if it's not a performance enhancer. It can be prohibited for two other reasons, as we've already laid out. This is why you have to read. Okay, now, to read this full article here, because this is deep and it has the links to the studies and all this here. Studies show marijuana is not used as a performance enhancing drug, okay? There's very few studies on marijuana and athletes' performance, but the studies out there paint a convincing picture. Okay, so read that article from 11alive.com. Now, the one, the, the original article that I saw that I definitely wanted to um that I definitely wanted to talk about all right now this is the one i saw this weekend and i wanted to make sure we talked about and then i started researching this whole topic more advocates say thc does not enhance sports performance so why is it banned what could be other reasons why something is banned this is from nbcnews.com uh july 2nd 2021 uh, okay, the drug Richardson tested positive for uh, tetrahydrocannabidiol, uh, upset tetrahydrocannabinol, okay, THC, tetrahydrocannabinol, or THC, the psychoactive component of marijuana, is not known for increasing. Uh, the athletic prowess of those who consume it. Typically, it's high relaxes people. But see, one of the other things is, is that one of the reasons for some athletes, the USADA says it can be a performance enhancer because it can relieve anxiety and it can help calm people down. So depending upon the competition that you're in it can take in marijuana can help you relax everything ain't about speed that's not all the competitions is not about speed it, it can it can it can help people relax and take the edge off if they suffer from anxiety so there's a number of different reasons why uh, a substance can be prohibited now joseph m hannah who didn't acknowledge any of this in the interview, by the way. Joseph M. Hanna, who is uh, a Buffalo, New York attorney, uh, said it's a steroid. It's not a steroid. It's not a growth hormone. It's nothing to make you run faster, jump faster, throw faster. Uh, furthest thing from that, said, uh, furthest thing from that, And he's an attorney who is not working with Shakari Richardson, but has represented major sports league franchises and professional athletes. He said it has more of an opportunity to slow you down than to speed you up. That's what he said. But that's only one aspect of it. Nonetheless, that's in quote, nonetheless, marijuana is on the world anti-doping agency's lengthy list of prohibited substances, which are either 
banned from use entirely by athletes or banned during competition periods. Either banned from use entirely. This is this one you have to read. Either banned from use entirely or banned during competition periods. Marijuana falls under the latter category. Marijuana is marijuana usage is banned during competition periods, is not banned entirely. Meaning, marijuana is prohibited from being used from 11.59 p.m. on the day before a competition through the end of a competition. So all the people that said marijuana, why is it banned on this? None, none of them said this. This is why you have to read. This one is simple Simon as like social media, hot topic BS I don't deal with. We do research here. This is serious work. Marijuana falls under the latter category, meaning it is prohibited from being used from 11.59 p.m. on the day before competition through the end of a competition. See, this is why I, I was already scheduled, or had already had the show laid out and was already going to discuss this today to go through, break this stuff down because I was researching this over the weekend. To be on the list, a substance must meet at least two of the following criteria, which we already talked about because I showed it to you on the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency's website. The substance has to be considered a performance enhancer or it, it must potentially pose a health risk to athletes or and it must violate the spirit of sport, which the agency's 2021 code defines as, quote, the celebration of the human spirit, body and mind, end quote, adding that it reflects the values of sports such as character, teamwork, and fun and joy. So it has to meet, it must meet at least two of the following criteria. So it doesn't have to be a performance enhancer or it doesn't have to be really listed as a performance enhancer, generally speaking, to be a banned substance. This, it has to be two of the three reasons. Now, the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency, which announced Richardson's positive test results on Friday, Friday morning, July 2nd, is a signatory to the World Anti-Doping Agency's uh, code, along with the along with the United States uh, Olympic, along with the United States uh, Olympic and Paralympic Committee. That means it follows the rules set forth, set forth by the global organization. Once again, because it's legal in this state or that state or that state, they don't have nothing to do with this here. All right, page three. Because uh, I've got my notes here. I've gone through, read all these articles, have my notes here, so I know exactly what to go to. Um, Richardson consumed uh, THC in the state of Oregon where recreational marijuana is legal, but Oregon's law, they're telling you right here, 
Oregon's law has no bearing on World Anti-Doping Agency rules and therefore not on U.S. Anti-Doping Agency rules either. It's just like um, alcohol is legal. But if you're a pilot on Southwest Airlines, you can't show up to work drunk. And then your excuse is alcohol legal. What the hell has that got to do with this? That don't have nothing to do with this here because it's legal. Neither the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency nor the World Anti-Doping Agency responded to questions from NBC News about whether THC was currently considered to be a violation of all three of the criteria on the prohibited substance list. But it don't have to be a violation of all three criteria. It just has to be a violation of two of the three criteria. So I don't even know why they asked that question. It doesn't have to be a violation of all three of the criteria. It just has to be a violation of two of the three criteria. In the 2011 paper, the World Anti-Doping Agency argued that smoking cannabis was a performance enhancer because it improves, see this is what I was saying, it improves oxygenation and decreased anxiety ahead of competitions. It ain't just about running faster. That ain't all the damn competitions. You got curling. And you got competitions that, you know, you need to be slow. You need to be relaxed. All of them ain't running fast. Well, curling is um, winter. Curling is winter. But this still applies in, too. You can't be skiing high. Or you can't. It's the same rules. You can't. Uh, uh, it's still banned if you skiing or what have you. In a 2011 paper, the World Anti-Doping Agency argued that smoking cannabis was a performance enhancer because it improves oxygenation, which deals with increasing the uh, flow of blood through the body and increases the flow of blood to the brain. It improves oxygenation and decreased anxiety ahead, ahead of competitions. So it can calm people down who are anxious. It can calm them down, help take the edge off. Now, Stephen Hawkins, the interim president of the United States Cannabis Council, a trade group seeking to legalize cannabis in the U.S., called the 2011 report absurd, arguing that arguing there was no empirical evidence that THC enhanced uh, athletic performance and excoriating the claim that it posed a health risk. Hmm. But it can be has to be two or three reasons to be banned. And if it helps, if it calms people down and, and it helps people who suffer from anxiety, it can help increase performance. See, there are different, there are different ways to increase performance. Because in some of the research I was doing today, it can, it can also increase performance and recovery time, like in between workouts and things like this. So it's not just performance on the field. So, I, I, okay, you can read, I, I can look into he didn't do any research. Uh, the, he's talking about if an athlete likes a drink, that is a health risk. If an athlete smokes cigarette, that poses a health risk, blah, blah, blah. But also, if it works to impair your judgment and causes you to take more risk, you can put other athletes at risk as well. There's a number of different factors here. Uh, okay, so we'll skip over that. We'll already deal with that. Uh, there is a okay. There's a president. Who's there, so. 
I'm looking at my notes here. Okay, that's that's okay. That's it for that. That's the most important things here. Go read the rest of this. Click on the links. Advocates say THC does not enhance sports performance or wise advantage. We dealt with that pretty conclusively. Um, okay, so we posted the link for that article there. So read that one. We dealt with that one. Now, 11 Alive had a really good, they, they even had a better article than NBC News. And I'm looking at these here. We'll make sure I get through these. Okay, this is the last article. Um, we looked at it briefly. Studies show marijuana is not used as a performance-enhancing drug. There's very few studies on marijuana and athletes' performance, but the studies out there paint a convincing picture. This is from 11alive.com. I close out this video. Okay. Um, let me see. Let me go. I, I want to go to the most important part. I want to go to is uh, here. Okay, let's go down. So the list of sources here, National Library of Science Medicine, the National Library of Medicine, Clinical Journal of Sports Medicine, World Anti-Doping Agency, U.S. Anti-Doping Agency. Is marijuana performance enhancing drug? Uh, the question, uh, no, at least studies show it's not used as a performance enhancing drug and has little to no research it has little to no research benefits on exercise outside of recovery outside of recovery recovery is big if it can help you in some sports if it can help you recover faster it may be an asset what we found so we talked about uh, a few minutes ago, I showed you some of this and let me try to close this out here. So what we found, uh, okay, the drug is banned on race days, but not on days outside of competition. As we said, uh, 1159, after 1159 PM on the day before the race through the competition, you can't use marijuana. Before that, you can. WADA reporting in a 2011 sports medicine paper that marijuana meets the criteria for prohibited substance because it can increase uh, risk-taking, slower reaction times, and result in poor execution function or decision-making. Result in poor execution fun function or decision-making. The paper further states, based on current animal and human studies, cannabis can be uh, 
cannabis can be a performance enhancer. Cannabis can be performance enhancing for some athletes and sports disciplines, depending upon the sport. And finally, use of illicit drugs that are harmful to health and that may have performance enhancing properties is not consistent with the athlete as a role model for young people around the world. Uh, okay, so they said note that the papers from 2011. Now, In 2018, the Clinical Journal of Sports Medicine uh, produced research stating, although evidence, produced research stating, although evidence for serious harms from cannabis use on health of athletes is limited, one should be cognizant of the potential for abuse and mental health issues. Although the prevalence of cannabis use among elite athletes is not well known, use is associated with certain high-risk sports, end quote. The paper noted twice, there is no evidence for cannabis use as a performance-enhancing drug, and there is no direct evidence of performance-enhancing effects in athletes. The paper lists five authors, including Dr. Alan Vernick. Now, Vernick is the medical director of the World Anti-Doping Agency. Now, the research states prevalence of cannabis among athletes may involve self-report or detection of uh, cannabinoids during testing, during drug testing, which can lead to underreporting or risk of bias in self-reporting. Self-reported Cannabis use among NCAA athletes was predominantly for social or recreational purposes, and only 0.6% stated that the use of cannabis was primarily for performance-enhancing purposes. The study further states that marijuana was used second to alcohol among athletes, the study showed when two groups were split, one given marijuana and the other a placebo before athletic trials, uh, cannabis, quote, increased heart rates, blood pressure, quote, but reduced physical work capacity. There are very few studies on the effects of marijuana as performance enhancers. However, there's evidence athletes use it to help with relaxation or recovery. See, that's what I was talking about. There are very few studies on the effects of marijuana as a performance enhancer. However, there's evidence athletes use it to help with relaxation, take, taking the edge off if you suffer from anxiety, or recovery, recovering from workouts, etc. Okay? So that is a type of performance enhancer. If it helps you relax, so you can perform better, that's a performance enhancer. Doesn't that, this doesn't mean that it has to help you jump higher or run faster. If it helps you calm down so you can perform because you suffer from anxiety, that's a performance enhancer. It helps you, enhances your performance. 
Okay, so we got those notes there. And then we're Um, page five, 2020 research. Finally, in a 2020 research paper from the National Library of Medicine, authors note cannabis, quote, does not act as a sports performance enhancing agent and cannabis consumption prior to exercise show, uh, prior to exercise, uh, show be avoided should be avoided probably it should say should be avoided in order to maximize performance in sports depends upon the sport it further stated results show uh that cannabis consumption prior to exercise induces decrements in performance reduced ability to maintain effort physical maximal work capacity undesired physiological responses like increased heart and breathing rates as well as myocardial oxygen demand and neurological effects on balance okay like increased swaying neurological effects on balance okay now these can all have detrimental these can be detrimental to an athlete or cause them to run into another athlete Okay, so read the rest of this. Read, read this full article here. Studies show marijuana is not used as a performance-enhancing drug. That's from 11alive.com. So this is one of the best ones that I, that I saw. Uh, also, let me see. Lastly, there is a... Uh, I was reading information from... Um, Medical news today. Medical news today. I told you I was doing a lot of research on this. Because I was already going to deal with this topic uh, before we got the news that Shakara was not going to be on the Olympic relay team. Read this article here because we don't have really time to get to it. So I'm going to squeeze in a little information here dealing with uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones and Connor Hesse Coates. And we'll talk about this more tomorrow. This is from medicalnewstoday.com. Habitual cannabis use alters brain oxygen. Habitual cannabis use alters brain oxygen. Tetrahydrocannabinol, uh, THC. Tetrahydrocannabinol. The main active ingredient in cannabis is linked to changes in how oxygen travels through the brain this may correlate with cha changes in brain functions in the long term a new study argues uh most widely listed drug according to okay recently marijuana recently medical marijuana which is used for health treatments has been legalized and okay however medical marijuana has not been proved with drugs Cannabis use uh, impacts blank, uh, breast, blood, brain flow. They talk about the study here. Uh, 
another interesting finding was that in the case of chronic cannabis users, there was a higher blood flow in the region of the brain called the putamen, uh, which is known to play a role in the reward system and in creating habits. According to the scientists, these findings might imply that THC is able to dilate blood vessels, able to dilate blood vessels, uh, thus increasing blood flow or that new blood vessels are forged. This deals with oxygenation, which is what the article from the Level Live was talking about as well. Okay, read the rest of this here. This is from medicalnewstoday.com. Uh, Habitual cannabis use alters uh, brain oxygen. This, this is from August 16th, 2017. Okay, so very quickly here, uh, we also got uh, news today that Nicole Hannah-Jones, Pulitzer uh, Prize winning uh, journalist and the journalist who spearheaded the uh, 1619 Project, that she, as well as Ta-Nehisi Coates, who wrote the cover story for a few years ago for uh, the Atlantic called the case for reparations that they are going to join the uh, faculty at Howard University and she's going to turn down a tenureship at she's going to turn down a tenureship at uh, University of North Carolina Chapel Hill okay so I want to go to this first clip here. This first clip is from uh, MSNBC, Craig Melvin, MSNBC. We talked about it. And she was interviewed on CBS this morning with Gail King. Okay. So I want to go to this clip. And uh, I think this is a, a really powerful move because one, you are helping to empower HBCUs, and I think there are going to be other professors who are looking to go to HBCUs and teach at HBCUs. And the way that these white male conservatives at uh, University of Chapel Hill, University of North Carolina Chapel Hill, the way they treated her was just totally disrespectful. Okay, so I can understand her not wanting to. Uh, that's our alma mater. Uh, her alma mater originally she wanted to and she she's already a professor there okay in the school of journalism but she wanted to get tenureship she deserves to have tenureship so I can I can understand her not wanting to go through this uh, she, she said it's just too much okay I want to go to this clip here okay let's cue this up uh, Nicole Hannah Jones and Tana Hesse Coates are both set to join Howard University's faculty uh, Hannah Jones recently declined UNC's tenure after her initial tenure was shot down. Prestigious universities just made two huge additions to its faculty. Pulitzer Prize winning journalist Nicole Hannah Jones and acclaimed author and journalist Ta-Nehisi Coates are heading to Howard University in Washington, D.C. Jones will become a tenured professor and take on the role of the newly created night chair in race and investigative journalism. Coates is set to become a faculty member at the College of Arts and Sciences. 
Jones won a Pulitzer for her work on the 1619 Project for the New York Times. And her move to Howard comes after she declined an offer for tenure from the University of North Carolina. That offer came after the school initially denied her tenure, sparking a major backlash. Hannah Jones talked about the scandal for the first time this morning. This was a position that since the 1980s came with tenure. Mm -hmm. uh, the night chairs are designed for professional journalists who have been working in the field to come into academia. And every other chair before me, who also happened to be white, received that position with tenure. Mm -hmm. To only have that vote occur on the last possible day, at the last possible moment, after threat of legal action, after weeks of protest, after it became a national scandal, it's just not something that I want anymore. UNC's loss, Howard's gain. Three major foundations and an anonymous donor invested nearly $20 million to support both authors. Okay, so that's from uh, Craig Melvin, MSNBC. Uh, I want to go to, let's see here. Let's look at... Uh, Uh, let's look at this piece quickly here from uh, NBC News, as I already have it up. Nicole Hannah-Jones declines US, UNC's tenure offer for a position at uh, Howard University. Now, uh, Pulitzer Prize winning journalist Nicole Hannah-Jones has turned down a tenure offer uh, from the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, uh, and will instead accept a faculty position at Howard University, the uh, historically black college, uh, the historically black institution of Washington, D.C. Now, uh, she made the announcement on uh, Tuesday in an interview on CBS This Morning with uh, Gail King. She said she decided to decline the offer of tenure from UNC, her alma mater. She said, it's a difficult decision, not a decision I wanted to make. Instead, I'm going to be the inaugural night chair in race and journalism at Howard University. Now, uh, and this, uh, she was on, we'll, we'll talk some more about this tomorrow. Uh, she was on, uh, she and Ta-Nehisi Ta Coates were on the readout with Joanne Reed uh, today. So we'll share that interview with you tomorrow. Uh, she will join acclaimed writer Ta-Nehisi Coates as a faculty member at the university, the school announced Ta-Nehisi Coates will be a faculty member at the flagship College of Arts and Sciences, and Nicole Hannah-Jones will be a tenured faculty member of the Kathy Hughes School of Communications. The Kathy Hughes, founder of Radio One, Syndication One, Kathy Hughes School of Communications. She will also be the founder of the Center for Journalism and Democracy which will help train and equip aspiring journalists with, quote, investigative skills and historical and analytical expertise needed to cover the crisis our democracy is facing, the school said. Okay, this is crucial right here. Uh, she will also be the founder of the Center for Journalism and Democracy, Democracy, which will help train and equip aspiring journalists with, quote, investigative skills and historical and analytical expertise needed to cover 
the crisis our democracy is facing, end quote, the school said. Now, the announcement came weeks after UNC trustees initially denied tenure in uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones' appointment as a professor at the Hussman Journal, the uh, Hussman School of Journalism and Media when conservatives condemned her hiring. Instead, the university offered her a five-year fixed term with eligibility for tenure review at the end, okay, of the five years. Now, she's already been teaching there a number of years as well, okay, at UNC in the journalism department. She's already been teaching there a number of years. The, the decision, which was widely criticized, sparked protests at the state's flagship university. Nicole Hannah-Jones legal team said she would not join uh, the faculty without, quote, without the protection and security of tenure, end quote. Now, university trustees last Wednesday voted nine to four to approve tenure for uh, Hannah Jones, a renowned journalist and winner of a MacArthur Fellowship known as a, quote unquote, genius grant. OK, and Tana Hesse Coates also won the same award as well. Uh, she explained Tuesday why she decided to reject UNC's offer. She said every other chair before me, who also happened to be white, received that position with tenure. Received that position with tenure. Quote, and so to be denied it and to only have to vote uh, and to only have that vote occur on the last possible day at the last possible moment after threat of legal action, after weeks of protest, after it became a national scandal, it's just not something that I want anymore, end quote. She also said, now this is very important, she also said she could not work at a journalism school named for Walter, Walter Hussman Jr., a newspaper public publisher whom she described as, quote, a man who lobbied against me, who used his wealth to influence the hires and ideology of the journalism school who ignored my who ignored my 20 years of journalism experience who ignored my 20 years of journal journalism experience all of my credentials all of my work because he believed that a project that centered black americans equaled the the denigration of white americans the 1619 project she's talking about okay so the the the, the hussman school of journalism is named after walter hussman jr OK, and she's taking exception to his opposition to her. In a statement on Tuesday, Howard University President Wayne uh, A.I. Frederick said he was honored to have uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones and, and Tom Hesse Coates, quote, two of today's most respected and influential journalists, end quote, join the university's faculty. Uh, President Wayne Frederick said, at such a crucial time for race relations in our country, it is vital that we understand the role of journalism in steering our national conversation and social progress. Not only must our newsrooms reflect the communities where they are reporting, but we need to infuse the profession with diverse talent. Natalia Hesse Coates is a, a Howard alum and a 2015 MacArthur winner. He said there was, quote, no higher personal honor, end quote, than his faculty appointment at his alma mater. 
He is best known as the writer of the 2014 The Case for Reparations in the Atlantic and the author of the best-selling book Between the World and Me, which was a letter to his son about growing up as an African-American man in the U.S. And we know Nicole Hannah-Jones spearheaded the 1619 Project, which examines the consequences of slavery in the, in the United States. That, project, uh, that project has been assailed by some conservative critics, including those on the board uh, uh, at UNC. And she has faced staunch criticism since its release in 2019. The 1619 Project is named after the year in which a ship, the, the White Lion uh, pirate ship, carrying 20 to 30 enslaved Africans arrived in then the British colony of Virginia. It holds that America was truly founded in 1619 when the first enslaved people were brought to the colonies, not in 1776. Okay, so read this article here from uh, NBC News. Nicole Hannah-Jones declines UNC's tenure. Um, Nicole Hannah-Jones declines UNC's tenure tenure offer for a position at Howard University. Okay, you all were able to hear the clip that I played, right? Uh, you should have been able to hear that. Okay. And the tweet that Howard put out today, uh, I'm going to pull that up here. The tweet that Howard uh, put out today, it talked about them teaching the next generation of uh, journalists. I retweeted this today also. This is uh, from Howard University. This is from their Twitter page. Uh, Howard University on Twitter. Howard University is proud to announce Nicole Hannah-Jones, the Ta-Nehisi Coates, will join the HU faculty to help educate the next generation of black journalists. The appointments are supported by nearly 20 million donated by four donors. Okay, so that's huge right there. All right, that's a power move. That's a black power move right there. They're taking their talents to HBCU as opposed to a predominantly white institution. Okay, that's a black power move. All right. We got to get out of here. Hey, if you like this type of information, you can support the African History Network, dollar sign, the AHN show through Cash App, dollar sign, the AHN show through Cash App, also through PayPal, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show. We're here six days a week. This helps us keep doing the research, stay on the air, keep broadcasting. Um, and then also at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. This is our official Cash App account, dollar sign, the AHN Show, S-H-O-W, through Cash App. Okay, dollar sign, the AHN Show. And then uh, be sure to register for the online course that I teach, Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, where they didn't teach you in school, Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, where they didn't teach you in school. There were thousands of years of history and what led up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place also. That's at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. All right, we've got to get out of here. Remember, right now is correct wrong behavior. 
It's not over till we win. We're kind of forever. We'll talk to you tomorrow night. Peace.